Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Two guys who just wish they had a gate in Toronto that they could go up to and Yell shoot at the Flyers like Phillies fans get to do. It's just not fair. Welcome to 2020. A year with a horrible pandemic that's left everybody quarantined inside and losing their goddamn minds. Just a hellacious hellscape of a year all around. And also a year in which the Philadelphia Flyers, the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers themselves, are... A respected and good hockey team? It's weird. Doesn't feel right. I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's happening right now. It's, Is that what's going on, though? I, the Flyers are right now. <laughs> we sit here <laughs> as we record on Thursday evening, August 6th. The Flyers are in a position. So th- I think the lowest they can finish right now is in the top two yep. in the Eastern Conference. And they might actually be the top seed because of this round, Rob. Yep. So all things considered, uh, they they get to choose their destiny or whatever weird way you want to put that when it comes to their playoff positioning. They just got to win on Saturday against the Lightning in any way, regulation, overtime, shootout, and they are the one seed in the Eastern Conference, which is, I mean, wild. Just fucking wild. Uh, it's definitely a possibility. We talked about how... How much of a uh, beneficial position they were in being the four seed here, but still, to go if they go three and zero in the round robin against the other three top teams in the conference, I think that's I think that's worth paying attention to. It's been a pretty good start here. <laughs> These first two games have been pretty damn good. They've looked pretty good, and they've gotten wins. Um, I I don't know. I feel pretty confident about uh, Saturday's game too. I don't know how you're feeling, Steve, but today was pretty dominant. They took care of the Caps pretty easily today. Well, the big thing that's really striking me about what the Flyers are doing right now is that they're just defensively sound. They're limiting chances. They're they're tight in the defensive zone. This is just this is so crazy to watch, especially after the last few years of Hackstall, Baruby, and Laviolette hockey. It's just it's it's, it's almost the antithesis. Of yeah, that. it really is. It's really weird. And speaking of that, the Caps had seventeen shots today. They had seventeen shots today. I don't think they had any second chance opportunities. Uh, and the only real dangerous chance that I think Elliot was counting on to make was a Jacob Rana breakaway in the, in the third period, second period. Yeah. So, I mean, he, AV's got, AV's got him playing defense and they're four checking well. And it's just effective systematic hockey where it feels like, and we saw it today where it actually feels like if you put the next man in, the team's not going to miss a beat. And we saw that in the bottom six today. I think some of us were a little uh, hesitant about looking at 
some of the bottom uh, six lines there, it was, um, what was it? Um, well, uh, no, I'm missing in the notes now. But Faraby came in. It was Faraby, Thompson, and uh, Pitlick for the fourth line. And then, uh, no, it was Faraby, Grant, and NAK. Faraby, Grant, and NAK had three rushes, uh, chances on the rush today where they were setting each other up. They could have easily had one or two goals uh, come off the stick of Faraby. But Faraby, who hasn't played, who hasn't played meaningful hockey since March, came in, filled in for JVR, and then playing bottom six minutes was still able to get chances at five on five. He even looked good on the power play, too. Um, it's just, I don't know, the AV's, AV system is working and the team has bought in and it's just completely different than what it was they, even last year. They, it's just insane how much this team has changed in one season. <laughs> and really there's no, and can you yeah. say, can, can I emphasize enough how insane it is that Scott Lawton Scott is an Lawton, offensive yeah. dynamo for this team. Scott yeah. Lawton, who this podcast hilariously <laughs> got criticized for one time, just suggesting that he might be able to fill in for a couple games at two C. Yeah. Um, I is now a legitimate, like at least the way he's playing right now is a legitimate top six I, winger for this team. Yeah. And I mean, he's not, He's usually a center, but he's been working fine on left wing. And I know that hasn't been like a dead set thing with Lawton over the years, but he looks fine in the top six. Him, uh, Hayes, and Konechny, I mean, they killed it today, man. I mean, that Konechny pass to, oh my God. to Lawton to set up that the first goal was just something else. Yeah, it was. I That whole play was nuts. And that play was created from a Hayes turnover. And then this goal at uh, four and four, four and three, I think it may have been. But that was all the Hayes patience setting up. Uh, saying I'm coming to the net. And then the... Oh my God, what an incredible yeah. goal that was. Like, Sanheim with just the poise of a scoring winger himself <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Like, you would have... If you never saw Travis Sanheim play before and you just saw that goal, you'd say, wow, that guy's a good winger. It's, no, he's yeah. he's a defenseman. His, his anticipation, like, his anticipation in, uh, in route to just a pass in the first two games has been ridiculous. He had that interception of... Uh, the there's a loose puck in the uh, the zone for the raffle goal in the first game. They just stepped up and and created a chance on, and they did it again today. He's just uh, his anticipation uh, when the Flyers have the puck is just. I don't think teams expect it from a defenseman. I don't think they expect him to jump no. up as much, and I don't think they're used to the speed and uh, hands he has once he has the puck. It's pretty. It's just all, and even the third goal today, going back to connecting the connecting line, was just three ridiculous passes from all the forwards on uh, Hayes, Konechny, Lawton. So that line right now, if the top line, like the top line today really didn't exactly uh, kill it. They had a lost a shot attempt battle 4-7, to seven, lost a shot battle 1-4, to four, uh, expected goals 4 percentage in the low 20s. Uh, broke even in goals, though, so they didn't lose the goal battle. But uh, pretty much Verona, Backstrom, and Oshie did pretty well against them today. And honestly, like, I, I don't, if there's any chances you can remember, Steve, but the biggest chance the Caps had was, it was an end-to-end opportunity where Verona just cut through the middle of everybody. It was the top line and the top pair, but that, that was the only chance it came against them. But everything else was very, I don't like, Elliot really wasn't called upon that's to do That's the a great lot. thing about depth. Yeah, no, it really like, is. That's what, that's the biggest thing the Flyers have lacked over the last few years is depth, like, especially on offense. Like, when we're talking about, the last time we talked about Flyers playoff hockey no, was, on this podcast, <laughs> I another infamous moment. I infamously offered to buy a Valtteri Filpula Irish O'Filpula Flyers mm-hmm. jersey if the Flyers came back in that series 
and he played a significant role. And almost I almost did. ate my words because <laughs> Philpula had the game of his life against the Penguins, yeah, and, I, yeah. and they actually won that game. I couldn't. I was, holy shit! I was pricing it out and everything, but it didn't happen. Thankfully, I mean, I wanted the Flyers to win that series. Yeah. Believe me, I gladly would have bought that jersey. But it, I, it was just unbelievable. But that's how bad their depth yeah. was. They were using Philpula. They shouldn't have been. No. That was a dumb hackstall move. But they were using Philpula as 2C, and it's it was insane. It made no sense. And to see Kevin Hayes in there, and not only contribute offensively, but every little thing this guy does defensively is all I've wanted from a Flyers 2C <laughs> since, I don't know, the beginning of this millennia. Yeah. It's, it is kind of nuts. Cre- I mean, they, had, they actually had good depth back in like 2010, 2011, when you had Carter, Richards, Pierre, yeah, the very yeah, early a lot going on part of this decade. Yeah, technically speaking, they did have some talent earlier this decade, I guess, but still. Yeah, it feels like a long time though. It's been a while. Yeah. It, it been a while. It, it's just like <laughs> Hayes does all these things though that I have wanted Flyers to do for so long. Like watching this guy on the penalty kill, watching him dominate the possession game and hold on to the puck just a little bit longer to kill the clock hmm. all those little things are just so freaking great yeah and they his style of play works really well against these bigger heavier teams like the caps and the bruins because he can do shit like he just did on the sandheim play where he's able to hold on to the puck like he's a guard in basketball is pretty much what it looks like and he's just kind of waiting for something to develop and then he just lobs it into open space or that like that that entire sandheim play was just caused by Hayes holding on to the puck, waiting for, like, waiting it out until something broke. And then once it did, it just hit him in the stride. And to to get to your point about depth, like, it's funny. Uh, have we talked, that we mentioned Drew's name at all in these first two games? Two very meaningful games, and he's done things in these two games. He just hasn't put points on the board. Uh, I feel like... Sounds like somebody doesn't deserve his save. <laughs> exactly. It sounds like, it's... sounds like Law Drew's back. <laughs> it sounds like uh, maybe the depth... Uh, you know, when they held up their end and actually put it forth the same effort that the other teams, you know, bottom half of the lineup does, it looks like uh, the Flyers can actually compete. So maybe for all these years, it wasn't Drew not doing enough. Maybe it's because, quite literally, like we've been screaming on this fucking podcast for years, he hasn't had help. So now that he's had help, look at this. The Flyers are good. He hasn't been lighting up the scoreboard. He's only gone about and done his job. Like in the first game, the Couturier line shut down the perfection line, whatever the fuck they're calling him in Boston. So... No goals for, like, the Flyers' top line didn't score, but the Bruins' top line was pretty much non-existent in that game. And then today, lost the possession battle, but still held a top-six line for the Capitals in check. They didn't produce and didn't give them any opportunities. So if the depth is going to go out there and be the difference on the scoreboard, I have no I have no issues with the top-six holding their own. And I mean, the the second line, though, right now, is they're, they're doing a little bit of both. They're putting up goals and, <laughs> and shutting down teams at the other end. So hey, if that Couturier line is shutting guys down, shutting down the top you know, the likes of Bergeron and Marchand yeah. and and Pasternak, like yeah, they can do whatever as long as somebody else down further in the lineup is taking advantage well, of that, and that's what's happening. Yeah. Well, and and we we also saw this a few years back when Giroux first moved to wing under Hackstall, where I saw the the opposite of this, this where the problem really lie, laid, where uh, the Couturier, Drew, Voracek line was boom or bust. Mm-hmm. They would go out and they would completely dominate games. Oh, God, but yeah. then when we would have a team that could actually shut them down defensively, the Flyers had nothing else. They'd have the Honeybee line, that fourth line, mm-hmm. come out and like, yeah. 
yeah, they win the possession battle. and went through jack shit beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> and like, right, you know, like they they couldn't fit. They couldn't finish. They yeah. couldn't finish. I mean, yeah, that's that's right. a problem though. Like it, you have like two meh to bad lines. You have a a pretty good fourth line, but they don't score and you have a great first line that's getting shut down yeah. that's a problem and that's what was happening and that's the death problems we've seen uh, time and time again under i, I would say just uh, the entire drew captaincy really yeah yeah and i mean it's even looking at so like today's game too going off your point uh the the bottom line was connor boneman nate thompson and tyler pitlick today uh they weren't primarily up against, or at least not when I looked at the numbers briefly, they didn't primarily go up against Wilson because Netsoff and Ovechkin, the Cavs' top line. But they spent a good chunk of time against that line today. And that fourth line for the Flyers finished with uh, won the shot attempt battle 6-4, to four, led shots 3 to nothing, had a 95.96 expected goals for percentage, and broke even in the goal, goals battle. So... They didn't win the goals battle, but they still took it to the top line of the Cavs when they were out there. That's shit that, like, that, that was the narrative around, like, the Vandevelde and the Belmars of the world when they were here was you got to put them out there because they're going to shut them down. And then it didn't happen. Or, like, they would highlight plays where they stopped them once or twice on, like, an offensive rush. And then the rest of the game was just the Flyers, like, hoping to survive living in the defensive zone. But, like, this is actually, today was a, the fourth line actually going out and making sure that a, a Cavs top unit didn't get any type of chances for. So that's a, that's the type of shit that just wasn't here for teams in the past. And stuff like NAK, like a player like NAK, I don't, I think everybody's in love with NAK right now, right? Or they fall in love with NAK over the season. It's really hard to hate his The NAKGB is yeah, not Yeah, uh, they force, should be, because I can't... Grab your hammer and sickle, because the NAKGB is Yeah, because like he'll have, like, sometimes his passing is a little suspect, but more times than not, he's making a play on the forecheck, or is doing a little... He had a pretty good one yeah, today. Yeah, he had a pretty he good one. Too. Yeah, he had a bunch today. He had a bunch today, yeah. I, I guess this would say, like, uh, every once in a while on the D zone, he kind of has, like, an empty pass, but I mean, that's kind of like... I feel like you can say that about any forward that scores yeah. goals. But, I mean, like, he, no, he, he does everything of, else. Everything else he does. He's a bit of a, a bruiser, you know, grinder. But, like, the fact that he's doing so much well. He, and for a Flyers team that isn't especially physical compared to previous Flyers team, he does bring I, some some great physicality. Yeah, and I think I he's the ideal type of physical player I want, on like, on an NHL team right now. Because he is physical, but he's still quick. Uh, he's got a lot of speed and acceleration. He forechecks well, and he does well with the puck on his stick. And he's he always seems to be making the right plays. And there's a lot of, I, there are a couple of rushes today, or a lot of a couple of plays today where he was just able to carry the puck out of the defensive zone by himself, where he's just eluding different caps. And that's the type of shit that wasn't there. This type of skills, a very simple thing like that, just didn't fill out the Flyers roster like the last couple of years. And that guy is a guy that's regarded as a fourth liner. He's playing on the third line right now, but the Flyers have an injury and a, a power forward that apparently, uh, you know, needs to have a message sent to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, usually he's on the fourth line, but I mean, NAK and Pitlick on the, on the bottom six is, those are the types of players you, you like to see in the postseason, or at least the way that's, that's the of, important. Yeah. That's the important moves that, that Ron Hextall didn't bring no. to this club that Chuck Fletcher has been much better at. And we've made this comparison before where 
you know, Ed Wade couldn't put the Phillies mm. over the top because he could never quite find these guys. But then Pat Gillick came in and Pat Gillick was amazing at finding bullpen guys. God, wouldn't that be fucking nice for the current <laughs> find some bullpen guys? But Pat Gillick could find these bench guys, these bullpen guys, Matt Stairs, Joe friggin' Blanton, just guys <laughs> you would not have expected that came out and just killed it and were great for that team and put them over the hump. And the flyers under Ron Hextall. Yeah. They, they drafted pretty well and they cleared up a ton of cap space and that was all great. But Ron Hextall was just horrible at finding these bottom six yeah. guys, and you know, just looking at the Dale Weeses, the Philpulas, well, guys that were brought in as part of these, yeah. these complicated yeah. cap deals, oh, no. but, yeah. but weren't probably weren't meant to be played, but the coach he put in place was playing them a bunch and it was terrible. And just to see the difference between, having Dale Weiss down there, having RJ Umberger down there <laughs> versus a, a guy like, uh, like NAK who's just coming well, yeah. and doing his damn job. It's a breath of fresh air. It's great. I was going to say the thing about NAK too, is even like going off that point as well. Hextel got in the, his own fucking way a lot of the time. NAK was his draft pick. It was the second draft pick he ever made here. And he was trying to put him in games in 2018, 19, but then the coach he hired, pretty much was like, mm, I don't know if he really deserves a lot of ice time right now. And I think he got like nine games where he averaged like five minutes a night. And then that was his only look while Hextall was with the organization. So like he had, that's why it was Hextall. I really think he could only draft and manage the cap. Well, like everything else felt like it was up in the air. I kind of still feel like that's what the organization needed a couple years of. So then it could kind of propel them to here where they had, some cap space to let a, I guess, GM that can handle like the NHL levels go a little bit better. But like he, yeah, like I NAK was here. NAK obviously, <laughs> because he was a Hextall guy, isn't the best. No, no, but I'm saying uh, like, Pitlick, yeah, he just, I think yeah, is a better, is a very good one. better example. Because the, the moves that Chuck Fletcher's made that have really made this team better. Like I very much doubted that Pitlick move because I just didn't see the point. Hartman yeah. was fine. Exactly. Matt Pitlick's turned out great. And, Kevin Hayes, a, a move a lot of us touted. I think mm. most NHL fans touted the I mean, Kevin Hayes move. Yeah. Resounding success so far. And there's just little things he's done here and there. I mean, Justin Braun was a guy we, we doubted. He's worked out well. Niskanen, huge doubt. Niskanen he's is the biggest one. Yeah, I think for me, there was the Niskanen-Gudis trade. And I think a little bit of that came up. We Because uh, we were talking about Gudis in the Slack today because he had that, <laughs> he had that fucking horrendous turnover on the first goal. But... The Niskanen and Gudis one was the one for me because that very much felt like Niskanen had a down year last year. The Caps needed to clear out some cap space. It didn't feel, I didn't have a lot of confidence in them moving away from an aging veteran defender trading in division for a guy that I'm pretty sure the Flyers were selling as a third pairing defenseman. Like that trade, the optics of that, why would the Caps make that deal just as is? And then. I mean, whatever. He's come here and he's dominated and he's been a steadying force with Provorov on that top pair and they can't... I mean, that top pair, we, I, I just mentioned the fourth line with, um, you know, Thompson and Bunneman and Pitlick, but it, they mainly did... They played with Provorov and Niskanen today. So AV was able to throw out Provorov and Niskanen with that fourth line at times against the wilson kuznetsov of Etchkin line and it worked out well for the Flyers. So the fact... Like, to be able to get a guy that not only came in and is now in the top four, but on the top pair with you and is an actual NHL defender that, like, Pro Ralph never had to work with is a huge, 
he he pushed all the right buttons, and I think, I mean, I know I was questioning a lot of them, and I think a lot of that was just due to the fact of they kind of felt like the same old Flyers moves, and I just we had kind of been seeing how those Flyers moves have been working out. They felt like there were moves that could have definitely gone either way, like there were reasons to believe they could have swung drastically in either direction. And just with the way the Flyers have been the last couple of years, I was really hard pressed to believe and have faith that it was actually going to swing the right way, if that makes sense. It always, like, whenever, you know, you make that kind of trade between Niskan and Gudis, and you're like, well, maybe he rebounds, you know, logs a thousand minutes a night and is not, you know, an anchor on defense. That feels like something that wouldn't happen for the Flyers. It felt like it would have gone the other way where Gudis would have somehow snuck into being like a top four for them and was getting like borderline, like all-star, like talk. But instead, it went the other and we way. We got like Mike Rathje the second. Exactly. That's like I thought it was going to be like. Oh, it turns out Niskanen's knee is uh, pretty fucked up, and he's never going to skate right again. Like that's like that's what we got out of it. But instead, well, that's such a classic Flyers move. There, I mean, it's yeah. the, the Adam Oates move. It's the, <laughs> uh, aforementioned Mike Rathje, Darian Hatcher. You know, getting the guy yeah. at the end of his career who's been really solid, but now he's a Flyer, so he's he's done. And also, like Vinny LeCavalier. <laughs> the Kevin Hayes one too is still like. Uh, it's the term is still a little bit scary, but they didn't need their second line center. Uh, I think we were saying that too. It was like it may have been a little bit over the top price wise, but they needed a second line center, and I was worried about the term. And again, the term. And we were saying that when we didn't know that Nolan Patrick was going to. Oh yeah, that's another out. thing I mean, too. Yeah. Can you even imagine if they didn't pull the trigger on that, and then Nolan Patrick still had his migraine oh, issues if, and yeah. That, this year, I don't think goes nearly as well without Kevin Hayes in there because he's just been such a, a consistent, great presence. I mean, so even, like just looking at Fletch, from Fletcher's perspective, you had to have signed somebody. You could not have gone into this season with a second line center and Hayes was the only option out there. And I mean, thankfully it was. But like if he had come into this season and not made spent money on a second line center, I think a lot of fans would have checked out at that point slash would have been would have checked out when it was obvious that Patrick wasn't going to return to the lineup this year. So I, I think he had to, I think he had to make that move. And I think it's been, it's working out well. And I said it last week. Yeah. Or two I mean, ago. just the fact that just the fact that they might've had to give up an additional asset to, to get a true second line center. If they had just realized going into training camp that Nolan Patrick wasn't going to be back for a while. That's a very different, like if oh, they have yeah. to trade, like, or force like Morgan Frost up before he's ready or something like that. Like that, it's a, a huge domino. Effect. And then Frost kind of underwhelms because he's rushed up a little bit too early. Then that becomes a whole thing of drafting and developing isn't working in Philly. Yeah, it could have all gone. It could have all gone pretty poorly here if uh, if Hayes doesn't come here. Oh well, okay. So like I said, I think like a week or two weeks ago, the thing with the Hayes signing. Okay, remember, remember when it was a question like, oh, our Kevin Hayes doesn't like Philadelphia. He doesn't want to go there. Yeah. That turns out. Oh, I remember that. Kevin yeah. Hayes doesn't like cheese sticks. Oh. <laughs> he hates the Liberty Bell. Despises Rocky. He fucking loves the Liberty Bell, and he fucking loves Grady. He loves all this city, apparently. He just loves everything about it. I wasn't even going for the rhyme there. But... everything It's the man. I love <laughs> But, like, okay, so, like, I was saying, like, a week ago, though, the, the Hayes sign, I can still come back and, like, look bad in the last couple of years, but it's really not going to fucking matter if they win a cup, like, in the next couple of years here. So, the tenure, like, the... The term of that contract. I mean, God, we didn't give a shit about Danny Briere, and he didn't even win a cup. Game. No, like, yeah, and that I mean, we gave it about his contract. Like it was just kind of like, yeah, but Briere is one of the best playoff performers in Flyers history. So yeah, eh. exactly. So if he ends up winning a cup out of it, I mean, nobody's going to care about the rest of that contract. That's uh, that's what I wanted to say about that contract. Um, 
uh, this game, though, say, uh, Flyers did a pretty good job shutting down Ovechkin again. Um, Ovechkin, so through five games this year against the, the Flyers, Ovechkin had zero goals and 12 shots and zero points um, in five games. The cap power play was 0 for 4 today, which brings them to... This is all insane. Oh, yeah. This is this is the weird, wild stuff going on here <laughs> because Ovechkin historically has destroyed the Flyers on the power play. Like, I am so used to playing the Capitals and seeing Alex Ovechkin just set up, not get properly covered, and blast a slap shot into the back of the net. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of that's his thing against everybody, which is why these numbers are still, like, pretty, I mean, pretty ridiculous because... That, that those are his numbers this year, and then the the Washington power play this year was or against the Flyers was zero for four today, one for twenty one this season, a uh, four point eight power play percentage uh, during five games. So that that alone that goes to the whole idea too of, I think playoff teams that win now it's a lot more about the weak weakest link on the team is stronger than other teams weakest link. So before the Flyers' obvious biggest flaw is coming this season would have been goaltending and the penalty kill which i who the hell has won the cup like that but now that those two are at least league average it seems or above league average there aren't a lot of things that the that opponents can kind of hone in on with the flyers especially if they're going to forecheck well and actually be aggressive at five on five there aren't a ton of units on this team that opponents can pick apart and destroy i mean really the only one It'll become a whole thing. Uh, I mean, if they keep Hag and Braun together, that's the only that's the only unit that kind of scares me. And again, they're the only unit. You're gonna go and call out <laughs> Robert the Hitman Hag. Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call the body bag. I'm gonna call the body bag out. Body bag Hag. Well, when he keeps scoring goals on the Flyers, you gotta call him out. I mean, he's the only one scoring goals on the Flyers in this round robin. He had the uh, puck going off the, the pass against the Bruins. And then he got the stick on the he shot had for that. Sixteen micro hits in the second. Oh my god! I know, and they almost separated people from the puck. You should have seen them. They're pretty fucking awesome. He was really... <laughs> when he tapped Ovi on the shoulder. Oh my man. god! And then he took a shot. As if you he had a secret for him. Yeah, it was for real though. Like that pair hey, is the only one. I respect you because they don't fucking skate. They just don't skate. And I know. People will see Hag block a shot or make one nice play, and they're like, see, this is what the numbers people don't see. But guess what? I'm going back and rewatching the games, and he's fucking up a lot. I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's <laughs> fucking up a lot. He's not you're good. You're telling me. You're putting down your packet calculator, <laughs> and you're actually no, watching no, 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 the no, games, no. bro? No, no, no. I have, uh, I set it up so I created these glasses that just have two calculators where the lens is supposed to be, and then I flick it up like this <laughs> old sunglasses, or like, or I shouldn't say old sunglasses. I guess people still have them, like the, uh, Sunglasses, glasses. It turns, out, it turns out Craig has programmed his TI-83 graphing calculator <laughs> to show Flyers games. Jesus fucking... Do they... Do people still have to buy those for school? Can you do all... I, the, hope not. I was going to say, isn't it all done on, like, phones now? I feel like that's a huge rip-off. It's, it's gotta be. Yeah, what's the point of even teaching math anymore? It was always the biggest rip-off. <laughs> it was... T- like, you just walked around, used it for one, maybe two classes. Dropped like 90 bucks on it? It was a ton. It was way too much money. Oh, absolutely. It was Your parents crumbled the entire time. Yeah. And then they, they hated me more once they found out that I was getting games programmed on it. Oh, other kids baby. <laughs> I did not know you could do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had like Space Invaders on mine and uh, oh, some weird game where you could buy like drugs and stuff off somebody. It was, it was a whole Speaking thing. Speaking of Space Invaders. 
slash Space Invader. I've like ever since that song was used in The Sopranos, I think I've had it stuck in my head like haphazardly since like May. Uh, Space Invader by The Pretenders. I don't know when they used it in The Sopranos, but I've had it stuck in my head for like a month and a half. I just wanted to get it out there. You said Space Invaders. <laughs> this is fly preferably. Nothing makes sense. So I was just throwing it out there. That's that. What there, it's that's about. what it's all about. So I didn't. Uh, I mean, I was. Uh, you know, it's in my head. You know, it's in my head. The the fucking Apple iPhone Vegas Golden Knights whistling that won't stop because it plays <laughs> every NHL TV commercial break. Oh, okay. I was gonna say maybe that's what the. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, or I don't so think I've seen it. Sick. Yet. I am so sick of the five commercials that are playing during these games because I've watched a ton of hockey. It's been great, and I I bought like. The NHL TV package was like super cheap, mm-hmm. so it saves me from Mike Milbury sometimes. So oh I would God, love yeah. to talk about Milbury in a little bit. Oh yeah, let's talk about because he's been yeah. a fucking Hindenburg level disaster. <laughs> oh my God! But too soon. It's too horrible. Soon. Too soon. He's too soon for the nineteen twenty. Um, was it the twenties? It doesn't. Thirty nine. It was a long time ago. Man, let's look it up. Let's look it up. It's topical information. But they have what? So there's. There's this iPhone commercial with the Knights where it's got this like whistly little tune. It's got this Dunkin' Donuts with this like like a little cup of coffee. Oh god, <laughs> shut up. I've got Enterprise Marty Brodor bragging about his goddamn trophies. Ugh. How about his tro- trophy sister? Oh god. Yeah, that uh the uh I'm I'm I feel like I'm saying this objectively if I can cut you off real quick. The Brodor Enterprises commercials gotta fucking stop. I mean, just from an entertainment perspective, they're pretty bad. I don't. You could put anybody in there. If this was Eric Lindros doing those ads, I'd be like, okay, we we've had enough. You can you can stop doing these now. They're bad. <laughs> like that one. The one was literally just him. It was like, sir, we have your cup here, and he's like, you mean my Stanley cup? It's like now it's a normal coffee cup. He's like, you mean my Calder cup? Like he was just being a braggadocious asshole the entire time. Is what that was. He just wanted to shut yeah. up about it. It's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's the same, like, five ads, and I am just sitting with them because I watched a lot of hockey. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah, by the way, Steve, Hindenburg went down in 1937 is what I'm saying oh, here wow. on the internet. So 19, we were in between the both of us. You said 20, so I said 39, so... I, I think you win that one. I'll take that. Yeah, I need some wins. I'll take We're that. We're not going Price is Right rules because you went over, but I'm, I'm going to give that one. Yeah, time. also time is I'm a month. Sorry. So okay. I'm sorry. I'm not a history expert <laughs> that knows the history and all the stuff that goes behind it. Well, you should have. very bad. I was going to say when you said I won, you should have said, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's a uh, that's a depolitical reference that I'm sure everybody will enjoy. But the, uh, all right, so the. Flyers look pretty we're good. We're here to talk about the politics, not the hockey. <laughs> no, we are here to talk about the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers hockey. And there is, it's good times. Yeah, they're doing well. I mean. Were, were we talking about Hag and Braun? Did that get us onto the stage? That pretty here? much is well started. I, yeah, because I think that's the only, that's honestly the only unit that kind of scares me overall. But I don't think, even with like having turned about them, it hasn't really come to light yet. I mean, they were. In terms of goals, they were only on the ice for that one goal against today. They weren't on the ice for any of the, the Flyers' goals. And I think they broke even on, on Sunday. I think they were on the, the goal or, or on the ice for a goal for and a goal against. But if if they can figure out what to just not get scored on, I, I really I don't know what's wrong with this team. Like, I don't know what would really keep this team from having a chance to, you know, look well in this postseason. I'm not going to say the words, but have a have a fun postseason. Don't say the words. Look, 
everybody's yeah. everybody's getting real you know they're they're getting real optimistic yeah, we gotta here. remember this we're talking philly sports baby we're talking philly sports in the year 2020 you don't think this would be the year that god really builds up our our positivity and lets us think that something awesome is going to happen that just pulls out the rug you don't think it would happen this year out of all the years possible this this year and i am extremely superstitious and i know it's nonsense i am (laughs) yeah that's where i'm at too now (laughs) i don't care i don't care i am too superstitious to say the words i feel great about this team and that's the most i'm willing to say yeah i did too i mean i guess like looking at it i guess third line the third line too might be a little bit concerned having either because i mean Derek grant at 3c really isn't that great but again like that line i'm i can expect that line to just kind of go out there break even in possession and not get hemmed in or killed on the scoreboard like that i, I have faith in it's really just tag braun because each time they're out there together they really do have problems getting the puck out of the zone or like they just run into extended cycles against because they can't they can't skate the puck out or they couldn't get to the puck to the, they couldn't get to the corner for the puck quick enough like it's all this shit with them that just if they just had one dude that could skate on that pair i wouldn't really be too concerned but the brawny hag is a terrible fishing oh, vessel boy okay <laughs> right. the brawny hag sails tonight and it's not expected to make it <laughs> let's uh i'm gonna let's run through the uh i'm gonna run through the deep pairs real quick though a leaky boat if there ever was one <laughs> to talk about what i'm talking about uh the so top pair for off niskin uh four for six in the shot attempt battle broke even in shots two to two uh 55.5 expected goals four one to zero on the goal count and ten forty nine uh, against the top line with the fourth line or with the Flyers fourth line. So again, they had a pretty nice uh, night at the office. Sanheim Myers looked even better. Uh, Eleven shot attempts, four ten against, six shot four uh, three against, seventy point zero one expected goals four percentage, one to zero goals, uh, one goal for zero goals against, uh, and eleven twelve against Verona Backstrom uh, and Oshie most of the time. So. And then Hagen Braun under 500, uh, Coy's four percentage broke even in shots, four percentage at four to four, 41.62 expected goals, four percentage, zero to one in goals. It's really hard. I think that's my main thing is like, I don't know how any unit through the first two games is 0 for one in goals, like after these two Flyers games that they've had because everybody's looked well and they've won, they've won 41 and three to one. So to somehow be 0 and one in one of these games is, uh, is pretty impressive in my opinion. It's, it is. Yeah. It's impressively bad. And it's funny that like both those players were just like the goal. Like the goal against on Sunday was Braun. Braun kind of put Hag into a shitty position, but then he just kind of you know let the they had the puck going off him. And then today he just uh, got out muscled in front by Boyd and had the puck go in. So he's been uh, I don't know not a uh, not great. But I'm sure there's stuff I'm not seeing in the watching and the rewatching and the breaking down of film that everybody else is saying that loves Hag. So. Please fill me in with whatever you guys see out there that just isn't. He had a nice block that one time. If you guys see something where he's stringing it together and it looks really good, you you let me know. You guys know my at. Steve says it every week. So uh, I'm looking for it. I'm trying here, guys. I'm looking for the good Robert Hack stuff. Uh, I'll let you know when I find it. But <laughs> that's great. Just diving right into the box. Just diving right in. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some of the other uh, lines. Law and Hayes connect me. Again, so their whole thing is going to be not quantity; it's going to be more the quality of battle. Which uh, they had six shot attempts for putting the puck in the net. Six shot attempts for nine against, so they didn't win the quantity battle. But five to four in shots, seventy three point oh seven expected goals, four percentage, 
two two goals for zero goals against and they also have the goal at four and four so again hayes three assists connecting two assists lawton two goals and assists uh lawton six career two goal game regular season or the postseason that line if that line starts taking off and if myers and sandheim still look scary to go along with katori's top line and ivan proveroff and this can then i don't know i don't know folks I don't know. Talking about Sunday, though. Uh, Raffle. Raffle was the story of that game. Only player with a multi-point game from Sunday. Had a goal and assist. Had a really nice goal and a really nice primary assist. So it's uh, kind of a very exciting from Raffle, who only had two multi-point games during the 2019-20 regular season. Had a goal and two helpers in the uh, 6-2 win over the Golden Knights on October 21st. And then he had two assists in the 6-2 win over the Panthers on February 13th, Thompson Myers of Lawton also scoring the win. So Lawton right now is leading the postseason with uh, three goals for the Flyers, which, uh, I mean, even as the biggest Scott Lawton fans out there, I was not anticipating that at all. But definitely take it. I mean, I'll take it. Uh, and then, let's see what else here. Hartstuff, 34-31. Again, not really pressured into making a ton of 10-bell uh, saves, but the, the Bruins had a push there when it was 4-1 to late in the game, and he was able to keep it at a three-goal game. I love how much you've embraced 10 bell for this. <laughs> I said it like three times the last week, I think. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I, you of said that. it a bunch during the forecast. Oh, did I? Yeah, okay, yeah. So they, they're making oh, good saves, good. 10 bell, Kai Caliber. I, I just want to say real quick, I, I felt so bad for, for Raffle getting hurt after the game he had. Yeah. Was, I mean, that's that was almost a statement game for Raffle like it was for for Lawton in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, and really. Man, it just, I felt bad for the guy. And that also having an impact on today's game made the JVR scratch for this game that much more impactful because then they had to replace two players in the lineup. Yeah. This, I guess that's really Still a message sent right there. Yeah. And going like, and Lawton like Raffle is a guy, Lawton and Raffle for years have heard shit from certain corners of the fan base because they haven't done enough or they're bad and everything and i to that extent i guess i agree with those people because i thought maybe they should have been playing that high up in the lineup or have that much importance in the lineup but like once the team got talent and raffles on the fourth line he looks like a fourth liner and i guess even lawton like i'm saying all this on lawton has been playing in the top six he looks pretty damn good too but like now that there's more talent around him i i think that's opened up things for him as well also playing with hayes has got to help i mean i think the big thing of him playing with Hayes is Hayes is patient enough and lets things create, and Lawton's pretty good at putting himself in the right position at the right time. And we saw that. That was, I mean, that's all the um, Lawton's second goal was. That was a great passing sequence just created by that line, and we saw Hayes pass to Sandheim, yeah. So, um, but what else from that game? Carter Hart looked good. Carter Hart. Carter Hart looked real good. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, oh Milbury. Let's talk about Milbury because oh, we're talking about Raffle. Because Jeremy Laws don't look like he fucking put a slew foot out there and took uh, Raffle out. And again, we don't know how long the added element of uh, coronavirus and everything kind of makes it even worse when it comes to guessing how long these players are going to go like be out. Because I guess they really can't elongate the injuries or how like the timeline when people are going to be out. So the Raffle injury, all we have is he's going to be out. Uh, it sounded like a little bit of time. Like the next couple games, it sounded like, at least. Um, but again, that hit. I mean, it looked kind of dirty, and Mike Milbury instantly was just like, "Oh, that's just an instant play." Like really, like wrote it off almost immediately, 
and it's really these broadcasts are really starting to get to me a little bit because it's kind of it's amazing like i didn't hear any analysis about the caps today but i'm sure it was the caps coming out sleepy and kind of get what they wanted to get going early on and not the flyers doing anything right so grateful to have jim jackson bill clement for this game just yeah that's why i too. yeah (laughs) thank god but it's just amazing that like I don't know how long the Flyers have been doing this now. It's just they never get, like, the whole opponents that play the Flyers, you know, always coincidentally kind of have slow starts and then just couldn't get their offense going. What, like, always coincidentally against the Flyers. Why is that, why, why is it not the Flyers were able to, to hold their opponents in check early and then their forechecking took over late in the game? It's always the other, it's the narrative the other way around. Oh, yeah. And I think, uh... I, I mean, think that, that's the also, big thing with the Millbury and the other broadcast uh, broadcasts is like they just don't allude to that fact. It's just always the other way around. Well, and Millbury is just an inherently negative person. He's also this like <laughs> really old is. school yeah. like old school idiot just going like, oh, you know, uh, just, uh, rub some dirt and it get back up kind of thing. Like <laughs> I forget which game it was. Uh, who's the player who had to get? unfortunately carted off from the it was muzzin jake muzzin right oh muzzin yeah jake muzzin goes down and had to get brought off on a stretcher and milberry was like before the stretcher was brought out he's just like oh yeah just stay down like uh draw the penalty like saying something like that and just like focus on the play rather than yeah than him you know being in all disoriented also kind of insinuating that he was just you know faking a little bit yeah uh, that's that's he, always something that he yeah. goes out there he talks about guys faking uh not actually getting penalized like you know penalties not being one of the worst moments in that flyers bruins game was was it raffle who got tripped out in front of the net or nak or somebody it's one of the flyers gets tripped going right in front of the net and it's pretty obvious and then milbury's like I don't know about that. I think that was a bad call. Where is it? And then they show another angle where it is just so obvious. And he goes, clear as eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. He just, he's like the I worst. No, nothing piece of garbage. I don't understand why NBC brings him onto like still employs. I don't him. know what it is anymore. Cause it's not like one of those things where he always has ballsy opinions and then he's half, he's right. Like half the time. He's never He's right. always wrong. He's always wrong. And he always has like, the worst mindset to have in public now. I don't know. Like he always says the worst things to say about anything, and then just provides it with shittier opinions. As a coach, a failure <laughs> as a GM, he's got no value to the game of hockey. There is no point in having Mike Milbury out there. It makes zero sense. Like Brian Boucher's out there, you know, analyzing the goaltending, bringing insight to the game. Even Eddie Olchek has insight that he brings to the game. Even Mike Keith Milbury Jones has nothing yeah like keith jones too i know we joke about that every once in a while but keith jones actually says insightful things keith jones is pretty good yeah almost everybody else like we can rip on everybody else that does these types of jobs because at times you know they might throw out some really boring or dumb opinions but like schneider's on there now he's terrifying like (laughs) i i close my eyes when i go to sleep at night and i wake up and i see Corey schneider and i almost have a heart attack it's terrifying i it's weird seeing like i I prefer him over oh yeah it's still just weird like seeing some goalies like like i've never really seen Corey schneider in street clothes so it's always like 
just seeing them go from all like all these pads and like these huge like shoulder pads and shit like that to just street clothes i'm always like you're really fucking small His like he just looks, looks gigantic. like yeah, exactly. It just, he looks like a stick figure with, on. like, a watermelon up top. Yeah, there's a lot like, There's a lot going on with Corey Schneider's profile. Like, I mean... Corey Schneider's got that, like, 80s, like, giant head of hair going on there. Yeah. I will have to... I do have to say, though, I gotta support him, because he is a, he's another ginger, and uh, the gingers have to stay connected. So. Uh, 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 Shout out to Corey Schneider. He is terrifying, Craig. I Well, I know, but there's not a lot of us that aren't terrifying, so I'm still gonna support him. Craig, you're not terrifying. <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah, we don't have time for this, Steve. All right, we don't. We we got to focus on Corey Schneider creeping us out. Oh, but and, I, I will uh, take that. Else? I will take Nightmare Fuel Corey Schneider over Milberry any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? I Schneider's been fine. I'm watching it now. I just remember Patrick Sharp is also there. Man, you want to talk about a guy who's just there because of his face? Like I, I don't think he said anything yet that like has actually been insightful. It's just you know, he's a handsome guy though. The people, people just want to look at that face. Yeah, it's got it's got to be a nice perk. So we'll figure it out. Figure it out one day. But uh, looking at the rest, do you want oh, to talk about the rest of the postseason or rest talk, of Robin? Before we talk about that, actually, we could, this could be a good lead into oh, that. This game that is going on right now, this St. Louis Vegas game. So we're we're recording during the St. Louis Vegas game. It is so hard to not just go like, "Holy shit! Holy shit!" Like every two seconds. In oh this yeah. Game, because this game is bonkers. Uh, Vegas is out shooting St. Louis 34 to 13. The game is tied 4 to 4. <laughs> I did not see it. I'm actually watching Blue Jackets Leafs. I'm going to switch it over. Uh, I'm going to switch it over because this is in between periods. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, there was just a, a, a breakaway that was stopped by your, your boy, Jordan Bennington. Uh, oh, baby. Power plays left and right. This game's awesome. This is everything I want from. Yeah, the the least Maple least Maple Leafs, uh, or I mean Leafs, uh, Blue Jackets, not not that type of game. Not, I not would imagine not. Level, I mean, Torts is about to just <laughs> get on the ice and fight somebody any minute now. Because <laughs> Torts, uh, so I guess flat out sucked comment the other day. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I mean, I I mean before we get into the postseason, I was going to talk about the round round real quick, but Tortorella real quick. I we got to give him a little credit because he did have. That la- last year, a lot of people were chalking up the lightning. That lightning loss to just the lightning choking, and I think Tortorella deserves a little bit of credit for just defensive structure there. Because we're seeing it now against the Leafs. He's doing the same type of thing against the Leafs and uh, shut him out in game one, and they didn't score until late in the second period for game two. So maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he's got it figured out defensively. Columbus. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I mean, the fact that he's doing it with the team he has is... With nobody? <laughs> with Zach, Seth, and Elvis? Yeah, that's pretty much the crew he's got to work with. Nobody! I should, <laughs> I should say, uh, yeah, you know, I, we always, I always mention Cam Atkinson being kind of underrated and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I actually like... So they do have... I like both those guys. They're both good, but yeah, they're they got, not... Yeah, they got some good players. They're not still. names. Nope, <laughs> they aren't names. You go, yeah, that team's scary. Those and we're are just talking about a team to combat that, the idea. And we're, we're fans of a team that's got one of the highest scorers from the past decade that always gets overlooked for one of the best players of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I can yeah. respect so should, a guy flying under the radar. Yeah, we gotta we gotta pay attention to that more. So and forty I, goals scored. Nobody talks about him. on the Flyers any day of oh, the week. Man. Don't get me wrong. Oh man, uh, Drew Katori Atkinson in the top pair. Hell yeah. The uh, or top line would be uh, pretty gross. Uh, Limblom Hayes Atkinson. 
Forget about it. A little bit of, that's a little bit of future work for you there, uh, Chucky. Uh, Chucky Two Trades. Get back in the office after this. Chucky Two Trades. That out, but... That's a new Twitter. Do you want to just throw uh, a <laughs> right. brown futuristic sunglasses on <laughs> Chucky Two Trades? It's Chucky Future Trades. Round ro- East Round Robin, real quick, because now it's in the Flyers' hands. Uh, they can be the number one seed if they win on Saturday. So the way the standings are is Tampa Bay is first. They have four points, two games. Flyers are second. They also have four points, two games, but they would lose the tiebreaker because it's a regular season point percentage. Um, Caps are third with 1.2 games. Boston is fourth with zero points of two games. So as of right now, the Flyers and Bullets are going to be one and two. The Caps and Bruins are going to be three and four. We just don't know yet. And luckily, each of them play each other and... I believe the outcome for each game, whoever wins that game gets the higher seed. So on Saturday, the Flyers win. They will have six points. No matter how they win, the most Tampa can have is five. So they're going to win. They're going to be first. Um, and there's no way Tampa can win. The Flyers would be first, obviously. And then the, I think, uh, yeah, the Bruins, the Bruins and uh, Cavs play on Sunday. Um, and the Bruins would have to... For the Caps to stay the three spot, they have to, um, they just have to win. They can't lose at all. If they lose past regulation, if they earn a point, they'll have two points. The Bruins will also have two points, and then they'll lose the tiebreaker for regular season point percentage. So, pretty much, the, these, the last two round robin games in the East are just winner gets the higher position. And um, again, we had pointed it out a bunch leading up to this, but the Flyers were in the most beneficial position when the round robin started. Them and the Stars, and the Flyers have taken advantage of them being in fourth place. And it looks like they're going to go from fourth in the conference to first, potentially, in just a matter, matter of three games. And they still have to uh, But still the gotta Bruins won the President's Trophy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, boo fucking... Oh, my God. A tough break for the city of Boston. What a fucking shame. You know, what a shame. A, it has they been have one thing long. go wrong for the sport. It's so sad. The, the, oh, we the, lost, the city of we lost Tommy Brady. <laughs> <laughs> we lost, oh, man, it's we lost first place overall either. in the Eastern Conference playoffs. <laughs> lost Mookie Tough Betts. For Boston. Lost Mookie Betts, and uh, I don't know, something bad's got to be going on with the Celtics, right? Is there? All I hear is just bad stuff going on with the Sixers. Are the Celtics still like... Is, the are the they, Sixers have been there? so just bad that I have not... It's funny that they're they're two and one right now, but like just they should be like crushing the teams I, they played. Um, I was gonna say because it, of how the Sixers have been, I'm just like, you know, basketball. Eh. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so also, but the rest of the round robin, real quick. Flyers and cat or Flyers and Bolts play on Saturday. Cavs and Bruins play on Sunday. No time said yet as of this recording. So naturally, they'll probably update those later tonight or tomorrow when you are listening. But as of Five right now, there are after now. I hit. Stop. <laughs> Sitting at the megaphone. Yeah. So, um, but that's uh, that's the rest of the round robin. Uh, you want to talk about the rest of the playoffs now? The Celtics uh, put up 149 points last night, so they're they're doing all right, all right. So they're doing all right. They seem to know how to play basketball. Looks like. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Uh, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, we fucking good. That's not this podcast. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. 
and I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. That is, no, it's not. So, uh, with this podcast, I, you want to talk bubble hockey? Yeah, let's I talk, talk about bubble hockey. Let's I talk like about the fact that the New York hockey. Rangers, who oh, let's do whined yeah, let's and that. moaned about not being included in the playoff, potentially, were included in the playoffs, and completely shit the bed got fucking hosed they were like slept three nothing uh outscored 11 to four in the series Uh, by the way i just want to say i'm just gonna um i'm just gonna throw this out there i'm not calling tony d'angelo i'm gonna call tony d'angelo tony angelo until i see him make a defensive play that's what i'm gonna start calling him Uh, he doesn't he hasn't earned the d in his name yet so as soon as he starts playing some d out there on the ice i'm gonna start calling him tony d'angelo until then I'm just going to keep calling Tony Angelo. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I didn't throw it off on the side of the road. We all know where it is. It'll it'll get it back in place. (laughs) Uh, That is, uh, that's, you can't justify verbally, baby. Anthony Angelo. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. He got fucking, my analysis. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Let me tell you. <laughs> that my analysis of that Aho goal is just uh oh, that was an LOL, dude. That was bad. Just LO dude. Just LOL. Guy got fucking walked. I don't know what to say. Like that was just uh got walked. I think the two best jokes I saw for that, uh, and they weren't mine, but uh my two favorite were That's for Tony <laughs> Angelo. Finally, Tony D'Angelo finally uh took a name. That was one of the jokes I saw for that. Nice. And then also the other one was, like, what did we expect when Tony D'Angelo was expected to uh, lean to the left? Like, you knew that wasn't going to, once he had to move <laughs> to the left there, you know, that wasn't, yeah. So those were the, uh, the Tony D'Angelo jokes. And, uh, yeah, guy really doesn't fucking play defense. Uh, scored 15 goals this year. Not a look at defense. Uh, and when you look at the, the Rangers defense, <laughs> great, great defenseman. I'm looking at it. Uh, so Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren were the, the Rangers top fair. Top pair. So once again, when I said they don't play defense, there you go. Uh, Brennan Smith and Jacob Truba were the second pair. 
Marcel and Tony D'Angelo had the third most amount of minutes out of all the pairs on uh, the Rangers defense for this series. Uh, zero goals for, four goals against, 18.71 expected goals for percentage in 23 minutes for. Uh, and then also Truba and D'Angelo were together for six minutes and they had the uh, Aho, Aho goal against them. So uh, the guy knows how to score goals, can play with an edge, can be very vocal off the ice, um, not not doing too much on defense. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, like, uh, I'm sure he's going to be fine. When uh, the defense actually gets better, but he's not—he's not good by himself. He's not good being the main guy on the defense, and I, I don't know why. I know why people talk about him, but that's uh, this whole series was pretty much the Hurricanes just proving why they're a playoff team and why the Rangers shouldn't have been close to the playoffs at all. It was just a very systematic, thorough beatdown, and uh, none of these games were actually close. It was pretty much just the Hurricanes taking to them all three games, and I still say, and I know you laugh at me, Steve, but the Hurricanes get saves; they're a scary team. So, and I know they're relying on Mrazek and, and Reimer, but they reduce a lot of chances against. And if those two can just make some saves every once in a while, I think that the Hurricanes are a threat. I still think that's a tall order for Peter Mrazek, even though he did make some I, and, impressive saves against the Rangers. I was going to say, it could be a thing where, you know, it was just a goalie in Philadelphia and then he went somewhere else. And uh, who knows? Maybe he ends up being fine. I, but uh, yeah, they got. I'm, I'm not buying yeah, Who knows? Who I'm knows? Oh, no. Okay. All right. Uh, what about uh, you think this is uh, the end of the road for Lundqvist here? I think it's got to be. Oh, at least in New York. Like, I, I yeah. could see him, you know, doing the old, like, let me wear one more weird uniform. Joe Montana with the Chiefs. Tom Brady with the Bucks. Oh, like yeah. you were just talking. Tom Brady with yeah. the Bucks, well, 100% it was... a one year. Like, oh, I yeah. should have Oh, yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see where he gets drafted in fantasy football, if that's a thing that's still happening. And uh, oh, yeah. somebody overdrafting him and going, oh, why did I do that? But who knows? Maybe Mike <laughs> Evans could just make his day. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, he knows. It's, yeah, there's always the weird uniform on a guy. And yeah, as we've mentioned, the Flyers are kind of the king of that. Yager wearing Flyers. But it wasn't even the last one he wore because he wore like 10 more after the Flyers. Yeah. I'm trying to like... I feel like I'm trying to think of teams that I don't know how much cap space the Flames have, but the Flames seem like a team that might be culpable enough to take another year on Lundqvist. One more year. I mean, he might, he might also position, just retire. Like, yeah, I, also, yeah, if it was like retire or go to like Edmonton for a year, I think I'm just going to retire. But <laughs> yeah, well, that's the th- like Edmonton could be another team that could be looking at him. Like, I'm not, sh- I got to go back and look at the cap space on a couple of these teams, but if he's staying around, those would be to go go to Florida and make things really hilarious with a tandem of Bob and Monquist and both of them are just bad past the prime. You know, they could do that too. You never know. We'll find out. You never know. Oh, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think this might be the end for, for Lundquist, but we'll see. Who knows? But I don't know. I feel like he might try to do one more year. I, I do feel like, or the uh, Matt Sundin on the Canucks kind of thing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's the example yeah, I, mean, I wanted. There we go. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a very good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really don't know either. I just feel like he's, I don't, I don't think there's any way he's coming back to New York. I feel, I feel like they're going to, or they might trade a Georgiev. Maybe that might be it, but I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? Definitely the biggest embarrassment of the, the play in so oh, far. Oh, absolutely. First uh, bubble. Yeah. There's still the only team that's left the bubble. Yeah. And on the other, that's on so the far. other, the other hand though, we've got the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Pittsburgh hockey oh, penguins. baby. Let's talk about it. Struggling it up with well-rested Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, we we took a lot of fun, you know, uh, making fun of uh, Carey Price uh, 
taking all those uh, extra nippy naps ten with his uh, little blanket to rest ten up. More yeah. years. Yeah, he's deserving it. I mean, if they pull off this upset, Steve, I say the contract is worth it, and I think that puts an end to that debate. And I don't think there's any debating it, to be honest. But uh, you know, that's just that. But Jack Johnson's fucking bad at defense. Let's talk about it. I oh, mean, wow. he is. Who could have called he that? Certainly single-handedly. Not every NHL <laughs> yeah, not fan. Just single-handedly bringing down this Penguins team. So Penguins have given up eight goals. I can remember. And again, He's I say this bad. with full realization that I am a Flyers fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, so eight, the Penguins have given up eight goals in three games to the Canadians. Jack Johnson has been on the ice for five of them. Um, his goal count is one goal four, and he's been on the ice for five goals against all five on five. So he's not doing great. And uh, some of those goals, pretty fucking bad. The Kake Niami goal that opened up the scoring in the series, uh, he ran into Zach Aston Reese trying to turn around and get back to the net. So he body checked his own teammate and then couldn't get back to the net in time to box out Kake Niami. Paul Byron scored on a wraparound last night where Jack Johnson just watched him wrap around the net and then get a couple whacks in on a rebound before reacting to it. Like he's just, he's literally not doing anything good out there. And Mike Sullivan's just like, let's keep going. Let's keep going back to that well. Maybe he'll get this one right. And then he just keeps throwing him out there. And I, I hope Mike Sullivan keeps trusting him because he's not he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. It's that and the fact that Dumoulin and Latang are, are getting kind of boned in terms of uh, the bounces too. Because they have fine underlying numbers, but they're losing the goal count two to three. Those two things are pretty much the difference in in that Penguin series. It's uh, tragic. Yeah, it's a real shame that Jack Johnson would... You know, and again, I, I said it last year when the Penguins got fucking swept by the Islanders, and I'll say it again. <laughs> Crosby and Malkin—they're uh, not getting any younger. Uh, they're a couple years older than me, and uh, as a thirty-year-old, I'll tell you, it's it's getting rough physically. So I know they're slowing down a little bit. I know they're you know starting to forget some things. Uh, it's a little hard to get out of bed in the morning. You know, they're, the window's closing, and uh, I mean, this is just another year. They got to watch Jack Johnson drag him down. Probably going to watch him drag him down next year. It's uh, I don't know what to say, Penguins fans. I'm sorry. Uh, your your cup window was cute and everything. It was adorable that the league gift wrapped you a couple of cups here. Uh, maybe uh, you know, maybe you guys can have to draft and develop properly, and we'll go from there. But uh, <laughs> again, I'm sorry. You know, it's uh, I, I think the world's helped you out a little bit with the the Crosby pick and all the calls over the last 15 years. But we'll see. We'll see what happens after this window closes. I can't wait for somebody to cut that clip and then play it at the 2020 Penguin stand. Do you, you think they're done? You think they're done for? No. I, I don't think they're I done don't for think so until <laughs> one of Malkin or Crosby departs. Oh, because yeah. If, I mean, like, if they're missing one series. of those... Oh, for this? I don't know if they're done either. Like, I... Yeah, it's, it's the Canadians, and it took a lot to win both those games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. No, I, I think this is going the full five. Yeah, it's got a, it's going at least the full five. Which um, that's, the rest you know, of the series, that's all though, I asked Montreal for is to to go the full five. Wear them down. Because if yeah. Montreal now, ends up, you know, losing and getting Lafreniere, then that's totally okay with me. I mean, it'll be annoying because it would be it's, it feels a little too on the nose for the NHL. But yes, yeah, so it's definitely better than him going to fucking Pittsburgh because. Because why not? I mean, everybody's convinced he's going to Pittsburgh or Edmonton right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. If he goes to Edmonton, I'm just going to fucking Edmonton's not done yet either, though. Connor yeah. McDavid's uh, going to keep playing every other game and getting Adrian Dater to <laughs> every pump other him up. Game. 
Yeah, that's really my main takeaway from the uh, the Oilers series was just um, Edmonton loses one playoff game, precisely one playoff game with uh, Connor McDavid this year. A six to four game. So again, that's obviously all on the forward scoring the goals. You know, you, your team only put up four goals. That's Edmonton, on you. So. a team with two superstars, and that's about it. <laughs> loses a six four game. And Adrian Dater says, I'm going to take the Twitter about it and tweets. Regretting my Oilers pick over Chicago, Connor McDavid, a brilliant talent, but a personality deficient guy. I think his blandness rubs off too much on teammates. Happy to hear opinions to the contrary, but fact is he doesn't inspire others. Adrian Dater, a longtime of... Colorado Avalanche writer, for those of you not familiar. <laughs> yeah, an ass writer. Chiming in. Uh, and also then McDavid uh, had a hat trick in game two where uh, the Oilers won 6-3, scored a goal 19 seconds in, had a second by the 405 mark. So again, I don't. I just love the idea of like I. That's just got to be something that he, he definitely had to tweet that out just to catch the eyes of people. There's no way he actually thought that. Nobody's looking at Crosby and like, yeah, but he's way. not. You know, he's not making jokes at the water cool. He's not like, you know, juggling at practice. Right? He's not drawing the attention of the guys. He's not really you know pumping them up. There, nobody look. Nobody looks at a hockey player and thinks like that. <laughs> Unless you're looking for uh, some retweets from pissed off people. And then the and then the Oilers lost uh, Game Three as well. So that series has been a lot of offense. It's pretty much it's a track meet. Yeah, it's great. What we predicted. Yeah, it's great hockey. I mean, if I you don't care about other teams, it's great because like I finished watching the Canadians Penguins game and was very happy with the result. And they started playing the Blackhawks Oilers game, and I think there were two goals like right off the bat. I was like, oh, I gotta oh, yeah. watch at least a period of this. This is too good. And then, and then it just was a pretty damn good game. Yeah, so, I, I did uh, unfortunately uh, decide that work was more important and went to bed, but it uh, it was what, tempting. What it was dork. tempting. Uh, I did want to go back to the uh, the we need to talk about Jeff Petrie uh, picking some shots here. We yeah, did not. Great I, winner I, in I, game one. I asked my, and, my good buddy Pittsburgh Steve how he felt about Jeff Petrie today, and he didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, that second goal, that goal we had last night was. It's a goal that it was a good idea to shoot it up that high, but it's also like Matt Murray was sitting there for a while, kind of like just kind of advertising that little spot up top. It was a shot that it's a, it's very easy to say it's an easy goal now that he actually scored it, but like Murray didn't really shut down the angle there still. It's just Petrie fucking exposed it, which is just funny because it was a ridiculous shot still. Like he plays that pretty goddamn well. Oh, it was awesome. And then uh, Murray just not doing. Not doing his part. A lot of a lot of stuff to really like about the Penguins' first couple games here. If you oh, don't yeah. like the Penguins, I'm a big uh, Petrie fan too because I I pick him up in fantasy. He's pretty damn feels good. Like every year because he never gets drafted, <laughs> and then you're going through the free agents, and when you're looking for defensive free agents, you you look at the assist totals, and Petrie's always like the number one assist guy out there, and you're like, all right, I'll get him. Yeah, he really is like a guy. He was a guy that got a lot of love when he was in Edmonton, and then. Ever since then, I feel like he just hasn't gotten... Like, for a while there, he was just like, oh, he's one of the good players Edmonton has. And now that he's with the Canadians, he just... I feel like sometimes he just kind of gets lumped into the huge mess that is the Canadians. But he's still one of the more less talked about, like, reliable defensemen. Reliable defensemen that actually play, like, legit defense, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, what about... All right, what other series do you want to talk about here? Well, Got, uh... let's talk... A, so we talked about it a little bit before, but uh, Blue Jackets, uh, Maple Leafs. So Toronto's up 2 nothing right now in this game, mm-hmm. about halfway through. 
You think Maple Leafs? Are, yeah, uh, nah. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, think if they're already this? up two nothing. Yeah, if they're up two nothing this game, I assume they probably have this game. Like the way the Blue Jackets are going to win is from jumping out and getting the lead and then just kind of trapping it all down. Yeah. So like, I don't know if because uh, the way they're going to have to play, I don't know if they have two goals in them. You don't think Cam Atkinson's <laughs> got but, it in him? Yeah, to just you just keep on scoring through. Uh, but no, I don't. And the Leafs are nah, playing uh, them left and right. I mean, the Leafs are oh, a yeah, no, they, better team. It's just the fact that's that the thing. Columbus does have a yeah. good defensive system. I mean, Tortorella's yeah, doing like, the best he can. just can't do that much right. with the group he has. Like, that's the thing that we like. I always like kind of point out. is like he is doing very well, but that system is based upon just the Leafs living in the offensive zone. It's like just keep them from going high danger chances, get the puck out quickly, and then see if you can do something on the counterattack. And that's like, that's their M.O. So if it's if you're already trailing, it's going to be kind of hard to bank on multiple goals to come back from that. But uh, I think, yeah, the biggest story with this was the Muzzin injury because that was pretty scary. And apparently he is out of the hospital now, but he'll miss the rest of the series against the Blue Jackets. Um, left on a stretcher, um, and uh, he just caught his skate in the boards and then just, like, caught the skates on the board and had, like, a weird lunge forward motion and pretty much just hit his face and neck on the back of Bjorkstrand's leg and then just was just oh and you can't also give up leaky goals like that um if you're if you're playing the Leafs so uh but the yeah I mean the the injury looked really bad but apparently he is already out of the hospital now and he should should be getting better um and then the rest of that series Corpus Al has been good even though he did just give a pretty leaky goal to Nick Robertson <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna want that one back. But, oh yeah, I, just, I uh, literally just caught up that on my feed. Like as yeah. you said that, it was leaking between his five hole into the net. Yeah, so like again, Tortorella's system is great and all, but like you can't afford like that can't yeah. go in. And, and is, Robertson, it, by the way, it's just yeah. a series that should be. It shouldn't be as close as it is. Yeah, and I, you know, the, this could be a series too that we're saying that, and then maybe if the Leafs shut up and out here, and then they look good in Game Four, then it was just they had a bad start because you know. They, that was a pretty close game, too, if they could have won. And then it just didn't go well. But right now, I'm going to say, let's give Tortorella credit. And maybe uh, maybe the Blue Jackets turn around or something here. But Oh, well, there you go. Corpus Al is coming in now. Those are like Oh, no. Yeah, it is Merzlikens coming in. Jesus, uh-huh. I was going to say. I thought. <laughs> and then the Leafs. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing the Leafs are going to win this one here. Uh, there wasn't really much. I mean, because there hasn't been a lot of goal scoring. There weren't really many lines to point out or players or anything. But uh, Tekshe, Borkstrand, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois are 0-1, even though they had a 71.18 expected goals for percentage and lead the Blue Jackets lines in ice time. So that would be one point of emphasis that maybe if that line can actually produce while spending most of the time in the offensive zone, maybe that can kind of tip the f- scales in the Blue Jackets' favor. But uh, they're going to start. They're going to need to start doing that pretty soon if they want to. Get involved here, and then uh, Warinsky and Jones were uh, zero goals for one goal against, even though they went in the uh, the quality battle too, and uh, thirty five minutes work. So again, like it's a it's, lot, it's Jesus. a lot to to ask of uh, Warinsky and Jones That's to so much be able time. to. Yeah, it's a lot of time, and it's just like. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's 35 minutes in the first two games at 5 on 5, so that's not even including special teams. So, like, they... It's it, it's going to come down to a lot of... And they do have, you know, a couple other decent defensemen there, but it really comes down to how much they're able to do against the top competition if they're able to produce. So, not a, not a great position for the Blue Jackets, which, again, ultimately I don't care about because they're in the division. And uh, as soon as they're... Screw out, them. Yeah, screw them. I'm fine with that. 
<laughs> Islanders Panthers. Islanders Panthers is the other big series in the East going on right now, and yeah, interesting one, but also not interesting because the Islanders are so goddamn boring. Yeah, they're just boring and systematic. They just take away. I mean, the Panthers are a team that is uh, a lot of offensive skill, no sense of defense, and you can't really rely on the goaltending. So the way they're going to win is just by they. Unfortunately, they're not playing the Pan. Or they're not playing the Oilers or Blackhawks. That's the type of series they needed to get into. It was another team that's going to play run and gun hockey and then hope you just outscore them. And I don't think that's that's not the way the Panthers can win, especially against a team like the fucking Islanders. And also when, uh, you know, Bob, uh, it's looked a little shaky at times. I don't know. Uh, first game. Bad. Yeah. Like he's had, he's had all right numbers, 929 save percentage in a game one loss, 882 save percentage in a game two loss. So that's not great numbers. And then 909 save percentage in a game three loss. But like, I realized the thing with him is he just has a lot of goals where he just doesn't look, uh, gave up a game goal to Anthony Bavillia in game one. Game three win, yeah, sorry. Uh, gave up a weird goal. Uh, gave up a, um, like, a goal to Anthony Bavilli in game one and a game to Ryan Pulock in game two where he just wasn't sure if he had it. And he didn't. But, like, I feel like that's my thing with Bob is he has a lot of goals where he looks behind himself because he doesn't know if he's stopping or farm or not. And even the times when he does make a big save like that, I feel like every shot with him, if it's going five-hole or it would have gone between his, like, body and arms, like, he always looks back, like, with like anxiety, like he knows it's going in. I don't know. That's I feel like that's just yeah. It I just, can relate he, to the doesn't seem secure in stopping pucks. <laughs> I don't make uh, eleven million a year, so that's that's bad. Yeah, I don't make a. Yeah, and I mean, if I did make a little million a year to be mediocre at my job, I wouldn't be that anxious. So I'd be kind of like, all right, well, I got, I got a payday. You can't take the money back now, you know. Yeah. But that's uh, uh, also with them. Also with the Panthers, uh, Antoine Strowman and Riley Stillman. Uh, that defensive pairing is killing them. Uh, zero goals for, two goals against. Fourteen point fifty three expected goals for percentage uh, in twenty eight minutes of five and five through two games. Meanwhile, Aaron Ekblad and uh, Mackenzie Weger uh, are pretty much the only thing uh, resembling defense down there for the Panthers. Uh, two goals for, zero goals against. Fifty six point seven expected goals for percentage in forty seven minutes together. Uh, very underrated uh, Alexander Barkov with uh, Dadanoff and Huberdos. 63.33 expected goals, four percentage. Two goals, four, zero goals against in 27 minutes uh, at 5-5. Five five. Florida has six good. goals total. Hoffman's look good. I mean, Huberdos look good too. Um, yeah, Hoffman, the thing with Hoffman is he really does have one of the better shots in the league. So when you set him up in time and space, it's fine. It's just, you know, he has that whole girlfriend issue that might still be going on with the locker room and uh you know chemistry and everything but uh besides that you know he's not i guess he's not the worst sniper in the world um i also thought it was funny uh i was gonna huberto had a very good goal in game one but everybody was like talking about barkoff that night so i thought it was just kind of funny that you know again <laughs> so like, i was waiting for that like barkoff drove to the net and drew somebody away so i was waiting for a goal where like huberto danced around people and dunked it to make it a 2-1 game i thought it was gonna be like man Let's talk about that Barkov drive to the net. Just creating space for Hebrew out there. He does everything right. <laughs> but that's, I mean, they. do you have any faith in the Panthers coming back? You think the Panthers are going to do it? Not particularly. Uh, I, I've bet on the Panthers too much in this series to, to, to say it. I've been, doing, I've been doing a parlay a day, and uh, Panthers have not keep, been a wise bet for the most part. A parlay a day? To keep the doctor away. That's what the old saying is. Because I, I can't think. afford it. FanDuel should use that. That's right. Because yeah. you've lost all your money with FanDuel. Lost all my money. <laughs> I, it's, 
I mean, the Panthers do have a chance. They're pretty evenly matched, but the fact is the Islanders' yeah. system is just too much for the Panthers' lack of complete defense. Yeah, the Islanders are just going to do what... Defense, rather. Uh, the Islanders are just going to do the annoying thing they've done all year, in the last two years, under Barry Trotz, which is just inexplicably play effective systematic hockey, but you really don't notice it. Like, you're going to... They're going to quietly take away all the... Yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to play the Islanders here, especially like because one of the more annoying losses in the year for the Flyers is when they played the Islanders in mid-February. I think it was the game they lost out on in on uh, Long Island. They gave a bunch of goals early, took themselves out of the game, and then when they came all the way back, blew the tie game in like the last forty seconds or something. So I, I've, the Islanders are kind of a team that bugs me too because I think they do have a little bit of uh, the Flyers number in that sense. I don't think it would be. I don't think the Islanders would kill them, but I I think they'd be a little bit more of a problem than Flyers fans' confidence will let them believe right now. If that makes sense. <laughs> Flyers fan but confidence like, uh, right now is is entirely high. too high. It's, loving it. I, I yeah. love it, but it's also again terrifying to me. Going back to like going to Saturday's game, I I I'm not too confident they're gonna win. I'll say that right now because I think the uh, the the Lightning have played them pretty well. All year, and they're a team, and we've even seen the Lightning do it in this round robin, but the way the Lightning beat the Flyers this season where they got the first goal and then they just took everything away from the Flyers but still attacked defensively, and that there's not many teams that can do that to the Flyers except the Lightning. And they did the same thing in the second meeting where they got a bunch of goals early and then they just suffocated the Flyers at 5-on-5 five five and the Flyers started to claw back with special team goals, but it wasn't really the Lightning still control most of that game so and the lightning had jumped out the early leads in the first two round robin games before giving uh giving them up so i'm worried on saturday it could be a case where the lightning might get a goal too early and then that's just it from there like they'll, they might just walk it out to like a three nothing win valid concern it's not yeah uh we'll see and again also even if that happens who the fuck second seed in the eastern conference is still fine like we're the flyers are still moving up from they were so, so second how, seed right now. How's the seeding going to work? Like, it, who's the likely opponent if the Flyers are the second seed? Yeah, so I was just about to figure that out. So if they, so if we go through all the series and they hold up, so 5-12 in the East is, we'll say the Canadians win, so they would play the top seed. So in theory, if the Canadians win their next game and the Flyers win on Saturday, the Flyers are playing the Canadians. Um, I like that. We're going to say, yeah, if... So if the Penguins a five seed win, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on what the hell the fucking six eleven series is. Oh uh, yeah, the Can uh, Hurricanes already won, so six seed is already there. Uh, seventh seed is the the Islanders. It looks like they're going to be there, and then the eighth seed is the Maple Leafs. So it looks like we're still we could still get one through eight, and if that's the case, the Flyers would play. <laughs> the Flyers should play the Islanders. <laughs> Gross. So then, it, but, the Flyers. It's all bad. I mean, and maybe this is why Boston hasn't been as uh, participating as much as they could. Because, I mean, they're all good teams at this point, with the exception of maybe the Montreal Canadiens and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Because, yeah. So I mean, that is yeah. I mean, you look and at that's... it. The the Maple Leafs have that offense that could just click on and destroy you. The Islanders have that stifling defensive system and trots, and the Penguins are the goddamn Penguins. And the Hurricanes are just a sound, sound team. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, that's, yeah, those are all, yeah. So I really do wonder, because to that point, like, Cassidy, I don't know if anybody remembers this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it up 
now, but like Bruce Cassidy said something in passing, like in May or June, when nobody was actually paying attention to hockey. He said something like, "If we get to these round robin games, I might just sit Rask because who cares?" So like, I really wonder how much of that went into Sunday's decision of just being like, it's, it, we, "Who cares?" Like, what we're going to finish fourth in the conference? All right, I don't want to risk Rask getting hurt here, so that's why I played Halak. I don't know how much of that went into it, but. Um, and also, I mean, it is worth, so if the Canadians win, then you have six, seven, um, eight and 12, which would mean the Flyers should play the Hurricanes, which again, I would be a pretty tough out as is. So I think any way you do it from here on out, ideally you want to win on Saturday and then the, the Canadians finish off the job and then the Flyers are facing the Canadians in the first round. Um, and I believe that's the only way it can kind of all work out right. If we're, if we're going with the, the favorite teams actually close it out. Again, the Panthers can come back. The Panthers come back. I mean, if the Panthers come back uh, and the Penguins still win, then the Flyers should face the Panthers if they win on Saturday. Uh, that would be another one I would take. Go Pants, go. One way or another. Yeah, I was going to say, one way or another, you just want to face the halves of the Panthers here. <laughs> it would be ideal. But, uh, and Islanders and Hurricanes are teams, too, that they, like, I guess I'm not 100% confidence-wise, in terms of the Flyers winning those series, but at the same time, they are... They've walked through some of the top teams in the conference this year at times. Like, they've played the Caps pretty well throughout the season. They've played the Bruins pretty well throughout the season. And the Lightning games, they may not win, but it's not like... I don't know. They're not getting blown out of the water in those games. So... If they... I mean, if they if they stick to the system and they can kind of get... I think getting out early on the Islanders is a huge factor. Um, so if they do that, the Hurricanes is going to be a, it's not going to look pretty. I feel like the Hurricanes are probably going to dictate play the entire time. And uh, the Flyers might be on their heels at times. But it's all that's all stuff we'll talk about when we get there. Yeah. we still got some other series to break I down actually, right now. I actually would prefer to play the Hurricanes over the Islanders, frankly. I, I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know why, but the Islanders, I... The Flyers do play the Hurricanes a little bit better because even when they had games, uh, I know the first time they played the Hurricanes this year, it was one of the worst examples of like the Flyers got outplayed, but Carter Hart still on his head and bailed him out. So it, the Flyers still found ways to beat the Hurricanes this year. Uh, the Islanders, it, it felt like the other way around. It kind of felt like no matter what happened, they were going to find a way to lose that game. Yeah. Uh, so I'd rather, like if I had to pick the two, I'm picking the Hurricanes. Yeah. But I'm I'm bank I'm hoping Canadians all the way. <laughs> we shall see because I mean you never know the Panthers could you know Alexander Barkov yeah. and Huberto could get together yeah. and make a, an underrated Voltron and and oh, and there's I don't think there are rules in the rule book for that I've never checked and uh, I don't think everybody's going to check in time before after they form it like they're I not going to get the rules in there after you try it's like Station from Bill and Ted too which is terrifying yeah. I mean, that's a reference Somebody that... Photoshop Station from Bill yeah. and Ted 2 in a Panthers jersey, and that'll be the, the Huberto Barkov. Does Bill know how to Photoshop? I, I have no idea. Like the, uh... I mean, I do. I, I could do it, but I don't have time. Hey, I don't have the time yeah. no, who's got, to, to do such He's got time to do yeah, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. There's still a few games left in these series, and a- a- anything could happen. Anything can happen. I think there's a couple out west we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we haven't talked about the Coyotes at all in Nashville, which is a weird series. Weird series. Yeah, this this one and then the Canucks Wild series are both series that I, I've kind of caught in passing, and I don't really like. I watched the Nashville-Arizona game yesterday pretty closely, and 
Arizona just like Nashville was out playing Arizona for most of the game and just Arizona was taking advantage yeah. of those uh, opportunities, which is one of those annoying playoff things. Yeah, they are kind of, we were just talking about the fucking Islanders and the Coyotes have kind of become one of those teams this year that is just, they just win games through defensive systematic hockey where no team has offense. And that was kind of, that's kind of the reason why I thought the Coyotes stood a chance here because the, the, I don't know what is with the Predators. I feel like the Predators have had a decent roster for a couple years now. They went to the Cup in 2017 and then they've kept a good chunk of the forwards and defense and like, I don't think Renee's been terrible and they still have UC Soros. Like, I don't know why this team can't get, go anywhere. Like, they just can't get past the first round now. Nope. And like, even this year, like, Forsberg's one of the more dynamic players in the league. Arvidsson's still killing it up front. Um, and then defense, like, Yossi's up for, <laughs> like, Norris Trophy and they have Ryan Ellis back there. And then in net, like, Renee's been fine and they just can't seem to get I don't know. I'd be losing, like you know, Eamon listens to us, and I feel like uh, that's. I feel like I'd be losing my mind if I watched the Preds as much as he did. Yeah. But that and and the Coyotes are. Taylor Hall scored. Uh, Taylor Hall has three goals in the series, like Ryan Durant. Ryan Durant is doing right in the series. Uh, Taylor Hall three goals and assists so far in the series. Getting and, um, dying by ownership. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and I wonder how John Chick is feeling right now because. He put together this team and went out and got Taylor Hall, and now he's not there, and this team is doing all right so far in the maybe bubble. Maybe didn't and, I mean uh, hot dogs or like... something, and they're celebrating now. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah maybe uh, Steve Simmons got to him. It was just like, yeah, don't don't let him. Once he starts eating hot dogs, I was, th- I was thinking the Ron Hextall special, but. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I wanted Simmons more in-depth reporting. Know, despicable. Also, I, I yeah. don't think whatever I, <laughs> I wanted to get more details on Ron Hextall like how he will get upset when players would eat good food I wanted more vivid detail about like his facial reactions if he like groaned or like you know just what happened with uh, I wanted more reporting there from whoever put it that uh, that report last year so yeah, we'll never, I, I we'll never know the answer about pizza and wings let me tell you it's my favorite <laughs> hockey topic uh, series got chippy though what was it Jared Tenardi so Tonardi, while Lawson Krause was trying to get up, Tonardi crushed Krause like flyer, away from Lawson the puck. Just body checked out the former flyer, thankfully, former flyer Lawson Krause. Uh, and then Craig Smith took off Connor uh, Garland's head in the middle of open ice when Garland was on his knees trying to get up. And then there's just like a huge brawl at the end of the game. So uh, yeah, I guess these teams don't like each other. I don't know. That's what I got about them. Uh, and then I got a wild Canucks series. Uh, my main thing was just going to be, I don't know what the general consensus is on uh, Jonas Brodin anymore, but I like him. Uh, plays pretty good defense and uh, pretty much just plays defense. Does, doesn't provide any offensive upside, but has some of the best offensive numbers in the league. So I just wanted to point that out there. That's a weird Brodeen series. Dumba. So it's a very weird series. Yeah. Brodeen Dumba. Uh, by the way, top pair, 0.84 expected goals, 4%. Zero for zero in 26 minutes. That was coming in today, um, and I know the, the Wild lost uh, today as well. Um, and every pair on Vancouver was... Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted no, to no, give a, a quick shout-out to Dumba also for that, uh, I oh, guess you yeah. called a speech he gave the other day uh, before the game. 
NHL actually doing some Black Lives Matter content, which is uh, a nice change from absolutely saying zero. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I was going to say it's non-zero at the moment, which is nice. Zero, nice, nice Dumba, that, Dumba coming out and getting to say a few words about it and the Hockey Diversity Alliance and all that, that, that was really great. Yeah, no, it was it was huge, and I thought uh, the gesture by um, I know I'm gonna miss somebody, forget somebody's name here, but it was Reeves, Laner, Sagan, and I think Dickinson, Jason Dickinson for the Stars took a knee before the uh, Golden Knights Stars um, round robin game, and then Laner said something about how it's not an issue of politics, it's human rights, and that's how we have to all like it's kind of the way you got to look at it, and I agree with that too. Yep, and it's uh, it is nice to actually see. On this issue, I wanted to see actually see some white players take a knee and actually voice an opinion, and that's nice to see them actually do that because that's kind of been, to me, that's what the whole issue is. So it's nice the NHL did a little bit of that. I mean, I like to see more, but that's, you know, I, I guess, like you said, it's not zero. It's not which zero. Which is a nice change of pace. It's a nice change of pace. You can't zero, do it all at yeah. once, I guess. Better but... than zero. Great. <laughs> yeah, better than literally zero. Yeah. So let's, uh, yeah. Um, going back to that game. Okay, so, uh, you know, Spurgeon Suter also have not really been. Spurgeon Suter are kind of a pair that they, they just play a ton of minutes, but they're they're down 0 2 in goals. Uh, and that's their top four. Like, if their top four is going to end up on the wrong side of the goal count, it's not going to go well because Brad Hunt and Carson Susie aren't exactly uh, anything to write home about. <laughs> uh, Gal Chanyuk, though. Definitely still doing good in the NHL. Galchenyuk, uh, Marcus Plano, Matt Zuccarello, zero for one in goals. Uh, zero goals for one goal against. 13.16 expected goals for percentage. Man. As the second most used line on Minnesota. Talk about a guy so, who just used to be one of the more respected up-and-coming young players and just bottomed out. You know, I I think Flyers fans for a while are going to look at the top of that 2017 draft and lose their mind. But the top of that 2012 draft, I mean, good Lord, that was just a fucking hot mess. It was Yakupov, Ryan Murray, Galchenyuk, Griffin Reinhardt, literally anybody you wouldn't want on your team for years to come is who was at the top of that draft. <laughs> and they just... And again, that was the year the Flyers took Lawton late in the first. So, I, I don't know. And now it's he's kind of weird. It's kind so of far. weird. <laughs> I was gonna say it's kind of weird to say that Lawton would have the best playoffs out of those like names in 2020. Like, could you imagine in 2012 you're starting to be like, you're gonna be glad they took Lawton here. You're like, you're <laughs> fucking mind. This two way center, out, which is all the Flyers have. <laughs> this two way center that we don't know a single thing. About. Like, I remember doing a bunch of research for that and be like, I don't, I don't even know who the fuck this guy is. Like, don't have a clue who this guy is. Now he's picking corners. But, now he's picking corners. I'm advocating for him to be the top line center for years to come and that the Flyers should trade Drew. It's crazy how much I love Scott Lawton now. Uh, looking at, also in that Wild series, looking at the uh, two main uh, catalysts and I guess the Wilds, like, like cruise to return to the playoffs. They want like a big push for like the last two thirds of the year. Started off the season pretty poorly in that. Kind of started making waves thanks to Kevin Fiala, who had two goals in the first three games of the series. Uh, obviously didn't get any today. And then, uh, Alex Stalock, who uh, is uh, had a 28 save shutout in Game One, and then did got literally zero goals for it today uh, for the Wild. So, um, so the guys are doing fine in Vancouver again. Vancouver, I thought the Wild were going to take the series, and they still might. But uh, Vancouver, I mean, if they play, I don't expect them to beat a team like the Blues or the uh, the Avalanche. Honestly, we'll see. I just don't think they have. 
I think they're a younger team that has some key parts, but I don't think they have everything there to actually formulate a playoff team that can actually go uh, anywhere. Like I, I don't see a them team beating. To worry about in a year or two. Yeah, no, that'll be fine. I, I mean, I can get behind that. Um, and if they clear off contracts, like if they can get guys like fucking Jay Beagle out of there, and um, and I know he scored today, but like guys like Beagle and Antoine Roussel are like not really the answers there in the middle to bottom six. If they can figure out, uh, Benny's got to figure out a way to kind of right a couple of those wrongs, and then um, still got that Louis Erickson yeah, contract too, right? And the Louis Erickson contract, who had one of the funnier moments in these postseason where he. Had a, he was getting a pass for a two-on-one for a dunk, and then his stick just broke and he ate it. Uh, it wasn't, like, really his fault, but it was just, like, uh, it was just comedic. It was hilarious. It was hilarious to me who doesn't really care about Louis Erickson. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what other series? Uh, oh, oh my God, we didn't even talk about Jets Flames. Jets Flames Jets might Flames. be one of the more crazy series. That game yeah. is about to start, uh, and it's been great. It's, it's oh, been it nuts. sucks for the Jets. Matthew could have The Jets have had so many injuries. Yeah, and then Shifley got hurt, and I believe Line missed game two. I missed game two of that series, yeah, but like, no, yeah, they, I, the injuries. I on the Flames because I saw. I think he missed two games of uh, that series, Line. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I saw Shifley yeah, so and Line were out, and I'm like, well, that's they're not winning that. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because once they put, once Shifley came out, which I don't know how you feel about that play. I. I don't know. I think that's kind of hard to pin on a guy for being dirty, but then at the same time, it feels like Kachuk is the master or will become the master of pulling off those types of plays. Trying so, to take the, the title the, from Kenny Malkin. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So I'm not going to... Malkin's not a dirty player. Like he to. keeps doing dirty things. <laughs> he keeps missing his punches. Yeah, that's all it comes down to. Yeah. You see, he is dirty. He just he's bad at being dirty. Is really what the problem is. If he was good, if he was better at being dirty, he would have been suspended a bunch by now. Um, but uh, so Shifley going out dirty, though. Dirty. His name would be Darius Kasparaitis. Mm. <laughs> Fucking Darius Kasparaitis. Uh, what was oh, Andrew Kopp being on the top line. Yeah, that's not gonna fucking work. You can't go from Shifley to Kopp no, on the top line no, and expect you the same type of thing. Yeah, um, but really, Matthew Chuck is, I mean, he's put his fingerprints all over this series. He was in their heads in game one. Uh, he's been a force on offense, too, and I really think he's uh, I really think he's just kind of taking control of the series. And also, Howie Buck hasn't really been uh, himself. I mean, game three, he was pretty shitty. He gave five goals, 31 shots with a, real, a couple real laughers. So, like, he, that was the whole thing for the Jets. That's why I picked the Jets was it was going to come. I thought it was going to come down to just how well Helly Buck played. Nobody anticipates injuries, but Helly uh, Buck, uh, yeah, did not is not playing the way he needed to play if the Jets want to have a chance. And um, looking at the, uh, I, I do want to talk about the Flames goaltending real quick though, because Steve, there's a guy in there. I don't know if you heard of him, Cam Talbot, two one zero in this series, nine twenty four save percentage. Yeah, Carter, best friend and mentor. And uh, as I was told last year, uh, sucked ass and was clearly worse than Anthony Stolarz. Uh, Anthony Stolarz, I believe, at home eating a uh, Philly-shaped pretzel uh, wherever he's living right now. Uh, Cam Talbot, though, has his team in a uh, in the lead in a playoff series. I uh, just wanted to point that out. We just again, it, it, sometimes I got to point things out. Uh, I feel like I don't do that enough. I point out, I, I call a lot this? of shit. Heard about this? Get a lot of shit right. Guess a lot of stuff right. I just don't. I just don't go back and blow myself publicly enough for people to realize that I've gotten a lot of these. So I'm going to start doing that. Everybody's 
bust me for uh, saying Cantal was fine. Maybe being a back of this year wouldn't have been the only world. Uh, 924 save in three Just saying. Just letting you know that, again, I'm right in my analysis. Hey, just Brian, pulling that out. Brian Moose Elliott won a game for the Flyers today against the Washington Capitals, so no, no complaints there. you go. <laughs> no. Yeah, again, I'm, I think I'm fine with Elliott being it the guy. I just, uh, what the... Yeah, it all worked out fine. It absolutely did. Yeah. Well, Craig, the one thing I have to ask you is, what's the sound of a player annoying the shit out of a team into taking bad penalties? <laughs> he really is. He is fucking, I'll tell you what, he's a pretty important player for the play. Like, I knew he was good, but I didn't, like, he, he's really getting to the Jets at times. He really does make his presence known. And he also, uh, he also does a little bit of scoring. He can do a little bit of everything. So he's a pretty uh, he's a pretty ridiculous player for them. But uh, Flames, uh, yeah, <laughs> Flames, Flames in that series now. I guess is the way it's gonna go. The Jets, I really yeah. do like Paul Maurice does deserve a little bit of recognition for that team. I guess would, they would have technically been missing the playoffs, but again, they had half the defense leave, and they they had to deal with an injury to Brian Little all season long, and Paul Maurice was able to. With the help of Connor Hallibuck, was able to make that team almost a borderline playoff team, which I think I think that says a little something about his coaching. Yeah, yeah, gotta give him some credit for that. I'd say so. What I will not be giving credit to, oh, baby. are some of these team hashtags. Yeah, there we go. There these we go. These are not all great. These are not these good. Are not all great. I don't. I'm gonna run through them real quick, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we can just. Pick out select highlights because most ones. of these are, are bland and whatever. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Arizona Coyotes. Hell yeah. And actually Boston Bruins. Either NHL Bruins or still hungry because I'm sure. Why not? Yeah, we yeah. win all the fucking time. We still want to win. Carolina Hurricanes. Let's go Canes. <clears throat> Columbus Blue Jackets. CBJ. <clears throat> uh, Calgary Flames. Flames. Great. Chicago, all for one. Okay. Ooh, exciting. You're the Musketeers now? I hope you changed your name. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, go Avs, go. Sure. Dallas Stars, go Stars. Great. Edmonton Oilers, let's go Oilers. Terrific. Florida Panthers, fly Panthers. Should be Panthers, like Tim Panaccio used to call them. Minnesota Wild, MN Wild. Great. Montreal Canadiens, go Habs, go. I'm fine with that. Uh, Nashville Predators, for Smashville. Islanders Islanders game on terrible Rangers no quit in New York (laughs) (laughs) they should game sweep (laughs) Philadelphia Flyers anytime anywhere my god Pittsburgh Penguins let's go Pens terrible go eat coleslaw (laughs) Uh, St. Louis Blues STL Blues terrible go hang out under the arch Tampa Bay Lightning go Bolts (laughs) terrific toronto leaves forever guess what you're the only team i can make fun of for not winning a cup in a long time oh baby vancouver canucks canucks what is a canuck who knows vegas golden knights vegas born not many people uh washington capitals all caps they've been using that one for years buy something original uh winnipeg jets go jets go oh i've heard that already all right so wait isn't canucks just like a canadian yeah, I guess. Uh, like a lumberjack or something. And then uh, Vegas-born yeah, uh, Bryce Harper. Anybody? You ever hear of a guy? Harper, like, yeah. It's him. Pretty much him. He was born, he was born on a roulette table. <laughs> Just him. Uh, what do I like here? Hell yeah. Like here? So I, like I was going to yeah. say, there's only a couple creative ones. It's hell yeah. Uh, all for one technically is creative. It's dumb. 
uh, but it's creative, I guess, for the Blackhawks. Uh, for Smashville, I mean, that is, I do like, like, I guess that actually is a good hashtag, and considering the rest of the, the NHL ones, that might be top five here. Uh, game on and no the Flyers New York. One is a... Oh, uh, yeah. So game on, terrible. Dumb. No quit in New York. I mean, it's funny. if it was the Islanders and they still exclusively played in Brooklyn, it could be no sleep till Brooklyn. But no, oh, they should have not. done that. They one of them. Should, I mean, the Rangers should even had one. They should have been like three games and back to the train station. That should have been their. That should have been their hashtag. And they just uh... should have been Breadman save us. <laughs> also, I will say this about anytime anywhere for the Flyers. This came out after they already chose hub cities, so like. It's not, it's literally not anywhere. It's Toronto now. Like, that's the only, there's two locations. You're not going to keep beating teams wherever it's going to be. Like, I get the idea behind it, but it's not, it's not anywhere. It's. I think I tweeted this at Bill when it first came out. And I was like, it sounds like a line from an 80s movie at like a bar brawl. <laughs> when somebody's like, oh, you want to fight, bro? And he comes up, he's like, anytime, anywhere. <laughs> that's what, the Flyers should just roll into that. They should have like, a bunch of the team at a bar, and then just Kevin Hayes rolls up in shades. He's like, oh, yeah? Anytime, anywhere. And then he just, like, drops a puck. And he's got to flip up the collar on his other jacket. <laughs> and it's, like, one of those really obnoxious collars that, like, every D-bag in an 80s movie had before they walked out of the, got, like, the bar with the... Mouth. Yeah, exactly. Put his yeah. arm around the hottest girl at the bar, and then he's like, yeah, anytime, anywhere. Let's go, boys. And then he just turns, and the whole, Let's go, boys. whole team just falls him out. Yeah, that's, that sounds about... That seems, sounds about right. I, uh, I I want hungry for more. I think uh, I think or we're back with a vengeance for a cup. You know, one of those shitty old flyers hashtags. The Philadelphia old. Tea Party. <laughs> <laughs> just just steal other like other cities. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's better than Clutch Time. Like Clutch Time, still the, my favorite terrible one. It was so. I don't really like this one either. Stuff. Honestly, I don't know. I've... Oh no, it's it's not good. It's not good. It tried. I feel and like like the F- flyer die was better. I yeah. Well, I mean, like yeah, they couldn't really keep going with that. Yeah, I know. But like they, it was it wasn't great, but it was better than this. Yeah, I, no, I agree. It was better than this. But I was gonna say to the so, point of Oscar, they could have just gone with for Oscar, couldn't they? I don't know. Right. They could have been. I would. I would be more fucking pumped if I saw that a million times a day. <laughs> or like something like Oscar's run or some bullshit. Like I don't know. I'm just I'm spitballing here, Steve. I'm just throwing out ideas. You are spitballing. Yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah, workshopping just it. it out there. Yeah. So hell yeah, clear winner here. I think so. I really do. Uh, the rest of them look kind of uh, not great, but yeah, because uh, NHL bland. Yeah, I mean, Dater's right, and uh, again, not to point out the Oilers here, but let's go Oilers. I'm thinking McDavid's in the room for that, and that just screams bland. So if you want. <laughs> I'm just saying, you want to turn things around. The main thing everybody in Edmonton should focus on is... It wasn't pumped that oil. (laughs) Oil ties me, Captain. It wasn't anything like that. It was just fucking, yeah. (laughs) Just, uh, let's go Oilers. No, that's uh, that's all the the hashtags. Why why isn't the Oilers just, I drink your milkshake, right? Because he was an oil man. (laughs) And there will be blood. Because uh, we don't run the social media team for Edmonton. I really, if we right. started like, I would just be making milkshake references left and right if I was the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> just showing clips of like, just showing the clip of Paul Dano getting beat to death by a bowling pin. Like just, you know, where you superimpose like the other team's logo on there. 
I drink your milk shit. It's the Chicago Black. I drink it up. Yeah, it's just Paul Dano yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, a great strategy. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're, well, I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll talk to the lawyers about that. See what they can do about changing the hashtag now. I'll say, I don't know. They might not change it because the postseason already started, but I'll show them this clip of the pod and we'll see what they say. They're, I don't know. Right, yeah, they, they listen. I'm just going to listen to the show. Listen. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully they'll be listening in September when we'll be doing a podcast, possibly after uh, Oscar Winblom's return to action. Uh, because according to Hockey's Vierge, I don't, I don't know how to say that, uh, this was highlighted or translated by Alexander Appleyard from uh, The Athletic. Uh, Limblom has been training with Brennis uh, IF in the SHL, and he'll be flying to Canada tomorrow, or today when you're listening, to join the Flyers, uh, hashtag in the bubble. So... And uh, via John Clark, Avi said, I was told he would be able to play in September. I guess we got to get to September. So it sounds like Limblom is has been practicing more regularly now. He's not going to be joining the team immediately, but it sounds like if the Flyers stay around long enough, he might be able to play later in the postseason. Which, again, all things hell considered, yeah. Hell yeah. is but ha- hashtag hell yeah, baby. Hashtag resign Taylor Hall. Hashtag I'm glad Limblom's coming back. Uh, that's but I hashtag think... Glendale forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I fucking can't think of another one. But yeah, Limblom coming back will be a huge. I mean, that's I, again just and I know this is a little bit of a elongated season, but just to be diagnosed with cancer and then be able to play later in that season at any point is uh pretty nuts would be a pretty remarkable story and uh again just happy he's even at this point like in his well recovery now and uh just uh i don't know what to say it really is just insane that he's been able to come this far and hopefully uh for the flyers sake he is actually gonna play in some games in september because that means they are still alive and well in the postseason so we'll see how that all Plays out, uh, and if we had to take somebody, if we had to take somebody in the lineup, Nate Thompson. That's gonna be my choice right there. I'll do it right now. But well, that's all. Uh, I don't know about that, Craig. He's the most pivotal. Did score player. a goal? Did score that goal? Can't argue did, that. I couldn't believe it. I, I still can't. I score. can't believe it either. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. And uh, let's say uh, you want to get the fuck out of here, do it around the league, and then call it a day. Gonna uh, let's jet. Let's see. Why is it that the Jets? Let's jet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, they're really, I mean, it's just hockey being bland. Everybody's being bland, especially Connor McDavid. Like, Connor McDavid's got to spice it. That's probably what it is. Let's blame it all on Connor McDavid. If he was more exciting, the rest of the league would be exciting. Because, again, when Crosby was the face of uh, the league, everybody, everybody was tuning was in. Video. He was doing magic tricks during intermissions. Uh, they were having People fans coming on. People over their heads to celebrate yeah, wins. it was a banana's time in the NHL, and I missed those days. Now everything's boring with all the goal scoring and the speed and McDavid highlights every night. It's like, good God, Jesus Christ. Anyway, Jacob Larson stayed in Anaheim two years, $1.2 million a season. He had 11 points in 60 games for the Ducks this season, his uh, second NHL season. Former capital and current piece of shit Brendan Leipzig, signed with SCKA Moscow in the KHL, was released from the Caps after comments he made in group text back in whatever month you choose from quarantine. I think it was April. I think that's when all that I came can't believe C-Ska is willing to bring him on. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Such a happy-go-lucky group. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well... Pick him up, pick him up, pick him up. They, uh... 
Yeah, they're, I mean, the KHL, yeah. It uh, feels fitting that he's going over there uh, to play in the KHL. So, uh, according to uh, our friend, friend of the show, Greg Wachinski, uh 2020-21 AHL All-Star game has been canceled, and the 2022 AHL All-Star Classic will be held in Laval, uh, the home of the uh, Canadians AHL team. Uh, Doug Scholar prospect. The origin of the uh, Lavalier microphone. Of course, yeah. I almost, I nearly said, and Lava. Well, a lot of people won't. A lot of people forget that. Lava that's right. all comes from lava. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like champagne. Yeah, it's a huge export Only from Canada. true lava comes from lava. <laughs> that's just, we can't, nobody fact check this. Uh, and then uh, goalie, Anaheim goalie prospect, uh, Lucas Dostal uh, has been loaned to Ilves in the Liga for the 2021 NHL era Liga season. Uh, there you go. Now you know that. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers 2010 seventh round draft pick, Brendan Ramford will play for HC Sloven. Bratislava in Slovakia's Tip Sport Liga next season. The winger had 23 points in 29 games with Mora IK in the Alsvenskins in uh, 2019-20. Never played in the NHL. A uh, former wild forward Zach. At least not in real life. Uh, he's part of Steve Chico's. Oh, game you turned that seventh. Okay, all right, that's fair. I turned that seventh into a middle six winger. Thank you. I was gonna say I think the last time I fucked around with like any kind of franchise when I got bored was like. I think it was for 2017, and they had Taylor Lear. Man, they had they had Taylor Lear on like the step trajectory. Like they had Taylor Lear on like the top six. Like he was gonna be, yeah. and then he just yeah, not whatever the hell. He's, it was Taylor Lear. Yeah, he's Taylor Lear. <laughs> so, uh, former Minnesota Wild forward Zach Mitchell will play for Dynamo Riga in the KHL next season. Uh, last played in the NHL in 2017-18. Uh, and then last but not least, Jan Halav exciting. I'll play for BK Nova Paka in the Czech Republic's two Liga, which is their third uh, tier of hockey, pro hockey over there in the Czech Republic. The soon-to-be 44-year-old had 55 points in 30 games uh, in a, with another team in the two Liga this last season. So uh, Jan Halavik still alive at, and out there playing organized hockey and almost put up two oh, points yeah. a game <laughs> in some kind of league. Which, I don't know. At that point, if I was getting like worked by a former NHL about that much, I don't know. I think it's time to figure out a new job. That's just... Just one man's opinion. That's just my I think opinion. he's living the dream. Yeah, he might be living the dream, actually. Yeah. He's living the dream. I don't know if his opponents are. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's it, though, Steve. I got uh, well, you know, wrapping it up. That's hot. Down around the league. ATL is over, baby. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Folks, that's all we got for you. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yep, and I will have out, uh, since we're doing this a little bit earlier, I should have out that article on the Flyers' goals from the uh, the one today out tomorrow. If not, I'll put them out, I guess, on Saturday. Maybe we'll put it out on Monday. But uh, Friday, like tomorrow, you should see the breaking down the goals for this Flyers Caps game, and then Monday you should see breaking down the goals from the uh, Flyers Lightning game. And if I have extra time tonight, I might do a little bit more on uh, NEK. Or no, no, I think Brian's writing about NEK Fairbairn, so I'll write about. I'll, I'll figure out something else. Uh, the, the the content's coming, folks. I figured out gifts, so there should be a lot more uh, rewatching the tape, like all the stuff that I wanted to do with the line by line uh, shit earlier in the year. And was taking all the time in the world and took too much time. That was because I was going back and rewriting everything that happened in games and losing my mind. Uh, and it's a lot easier to just go back and show a three-second gif and then be like, all right, so this is what I'm talking about. So hopefully a lot more of the, like, the film breakdown is going to be coming here. And I can start getting more into that shit. So that's uh, keep an eye out on that. 
is what I'm saying. All right. All right. Good stuff. The good stuff, yeah. The best stuff, I'd say. I'd say it's pretty pretty damn good stuff. stuff. There's never been better stuff than this stuff. Yeah, it's Uh, like Snapple. You reach me at... Yeah, like Snapple. Yeah, the best best stuff on Earth. And Craig got fun facts for you. (laughs) Actually, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You can reach me at Flyperbole or at Esteban, but for your hockey needs, please make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. So many great podcasts coming out for you guys. All that tangy tent. We will be back with more Fly Purpley next week. Flyers forecast at the beginning of the week. All sorts of great stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there. Wear your goddamn mask for the love of God. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things. Like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.